0: All right, so welcome back to the uh, the fourth and final. Eretz Yisrael and me, um, at least this 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 version of the workshop. Maybe we'll do another another section of Eretz Yisrael sometime uh, in in the in the in the future. But these four workshops, these four shiurim, are really four basic hakdamas to understanding the panemius of what Eretz Yisrael is. And everything we've done in the past is, again, an introduction to what we're doing today. So it's kind of a cumulative. Um, in a certain way, this topic doesn't really need introduction because we're, we're gonna do two pieces from of cook. Uh, these are my translations of Rev Cook's writings. they're They're uh, rough, they're difficult, It's challenging. It's very hard to capture the poetry of Rev Cook. But in order to introduce this, I want to do something that might feel a little bit out of left field, because it's important to frame to frame this conversation in terms of us personally. and, um, I want us to think for a minute uh, about anything about ourselves that we struggle with. Just take a moment, if you wanna write something, you can jot something down, but at the very least, just take a moment to think about something in our lives that we struggle with, could be something that we struggle with for a while. Not, not like, you know, I stuck my hand in my pocket and pulled out a nickel, but, but something that's, you know, moderately to, to difficult, challenging, something that's been with us for some time. Just see what it, what that feels like to contemplate about it, to think about it. Just take a moment to to tune in. So I'm going to read to you something that I wrote this week and try to explain it and then use this as a template for us to understand what Rav Kook is teaching us in this fourth part of our series about Eretz Yisrael. So this is what I wrote this week um, and we'll, we'll We'll talk about it and think about it again, like I said, as a, as a hakdama to Rav Cook's hakdama to Asabar Yisrael. So Rav Cook writes as follows Yitzhak Horowitz writes as follows. Sorry. Okay. This is something I wrote this week. Not engaging in the loud, forceful nature of our urges and impulses is where discipline begins. In other words, Discipline is about not engaging in the urges, the impulses, the, diff- the, the things that we have a hard time controlling within ourselves, the things we have resistance towards. I should be uh, getting up and g- getting out the door on time. I should be doing A, B, and C. I should not be doing L, M, and N. Not engaging in the loud, forceful nature of our urges and impulses is where discipline begins. Once I master that, then listening to the whispers, hidden inside our impulses and urges, allows us access to aspects of prophecy that Hashem is beckoning us to hear. Once I've learned to not listen to the forceful nature, the loud forceful nature, and I can keep my urges and impulses at bay to some degree, then listening to the whispers hidden inside our impulses and urges allows me access to little aspects of prophecy that Hashem is beckoning us to hear. Messages that originate in our soul and travel from heaven to earth, from our soul through our unconscious to our consciousness. By the time they arrive they are weary and appear as evil. We need to dust them off and learn of the prophecy they carry for it is in them that we become. Again, listening to the whispers hidden inside our impulses and urges allows us access to aspects of prophecy that God is beckoning us to hear. Messages that originate in our soul and travel the distance from heaven to earth, from our soul, through our unconscious, to our consciousness. By the time they arrive, they are weary and appear as evil. We need to dust them off and learn of the prophecy they carry, for it is in them that we become. I don't mind sending this out to, to you if, if you want to be able to read it. I didn't include it here, but just to explain what these fancy words are trying, to, uh, are trying to, to get across. If we believe that the root of all of my existence, if the makom, if the chios of all of my existence is a cheluk alakami mal mamish, if I believe that Eretz Yisrael contains in it the evan Shasiah, that stone from which all material was created from. That first element of creation of matter that was created began in Eretz Yisrael, if I believe that. And I believe that the root of my soul, my neshama, and that Eretz Yisrael is the place from which all Kedusha emanates and spreads forth from. And my soul included, my soul is an aspect of that evan my soul, contains within it the kedusha of Eretz Yisrael, then nothing that happens inside of me can truly have its roots in evil. We can only have confusion, fragmentation, perversion, disruption, fracturing. We can have all of those things, but none of those things have their root. in in the icker essence of who I am. And so anything that my mind tells me, any energy that I experience that pulls me away from being authentically me, any impulse that I have that doesn't allow me to fully actualize and embody my soul, I might think is coming from the Sitra Akra, I might think is coming from the other side, I might think that the sahara comes from a real makar that's called tuma, that's called rishus, that's called evil, I might think that the satan chas is competing against God, and that there are two different dimensions. I might think that the aside of all of this is that even the yetsahara originates from my, my neshama. Even the satan originates from Hashem. And so when I experience evil inside of me, once I begin to contend and try to figure out. And sometimes it works the other way around. Sometimes I have to listen to the little prophetic messages that are sent. But I need to realize and recognize that there's nothing that takes place inside of me that comes in the world of fragmentation. Fragmentation only happens somewhere in the space between heaven and earth. But between heaven and earth, the messages that are sent directly from heaven are pure, are kadosh, are innocent, are tahar, are beautiful. And so, yes, I might in my consciousness experience something as evil. We might in our world experience a holocaust and say yes and point to it directly and say, yes, that's evil. We can point to someone that ruins people's lives and say that's evil, sure. But the root of that thing, the root of that thing is directly 100% from Hashem. It is only through the process of unconscious. Machinations that our minds, that our psyches, that our egos need to rip things up and fracture things and fragment things and break things up, so that the messages we receive on the other end of that holy and pure and beautiful kedusha that's coming at me and through me gets messed up and becomes something that looks like evil. So that's the way that I want to frame this whole discussion: is the recognition. Sure, there is evil. Sure, there is fracturing. Sure, there is fragmentation. Sure, there is confusion. Sure, there are all those things. But if you trace those things back to its root, what you get to is the neshama. What you get to is the soul. The soul only sends messages of becoming, of beauty. The soul only is expressing at full time the aura of Hashem. And the more that I can learn to listen to the messages of prophecy that comes through the evil, the evil, so to speak, the more that I learn to listen to the prophetic messages that are hidden in the evil within me, the more I can learn about what my soul is trying to grab my attention towards. And so all of those urges and all those impulses and all those things that quote unquote, make me a loser or make me a failure, or make me feel like I'm not enough. All of those messages, if I can learn to trace them backwards, they contain some kind of message. Not the message I think, but the message that says, become more, be more. There's something about your laziness that's holy. There's something about your, your haughtiness that's holy. There's something about your jealousy that's holy. You just need to discover the, the message that's hidden in there. So with that in mind, with that idea in mind, let's go to the first source in our discussion today. There's really, if we just read these words together and I didn't comment on anything, it would be like, if you want a taste of what Eret Vash, if you want to know what the, the land of milk and honey and sweetness, you just need to read these words. And, and these words itself, should make us feel like we want to cry. So let's read the first, the first one. The first source we're going to read tonight, we're only going to do two. The first one comes from the Sefer Orot. From the beginning of Sefer Orot, it's the sixth little mini thought, the sixth little essay on Eretz Yisrael. Says Rav Kook, The Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit that is activated and absorbed in Eretz Yisrael, that means the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh that emanates from Eretz Yisrael and is is also absorbed in Eretz Yisrael is constant. It never goes away. Remember what we said. It doesn't matter who is occupying Eretz Yisrael. It doesn't matter where we are in relationship to Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael has the beating heart of Kedusha that is constantly expressing. It's constantly activated, says Rav Kook. The Ruach HaKodesh that is activated and absorbed in Eretz Yisrael is constant. Even if a person left Eretz Yisrael, which I'm going to extend and say, even when we were, we were rejected from Eretz Yisrael during the Korban Beis HaMikdash, even if a person left Eretz Yisrael by mistake or they were forced for some other reason, that means that they are still connected and intended and are yearning to go back. That's the, those parentheses are mine. Even if a person left Eretz Yisrael by mistake or they were forced for some other reason, they can still access the Ruach HaKodesh that emanates from Eretz Yisrael. Even prophecy, because a person can only become a Navi in Eretz Yisrael. A per- person can only become a prophet in Eretz Yisrael. Even prophecy that happens in Eretz Yisrael does not stop outside of Eretz Yisrael. When holiness, which begins in Eretz Yisrael, is revealed outside of Eretz Yisrael, it draws all the sparks of holiness found in exile and connects them to itself. So it's like a magnet. When Kedusha, when spirits of holiness when little feelings of holiness bubble up in our lives, when we can feel inspired by something, or we, we, we do an act that brings more Kedusha in this world, that Kedusha automatically flies like a magnet, like attracted by a magnet, flies to the Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. This is a, a, the other side of the coin of what we were discussing. That all Kedusha that we receive flows through Eretz Yisrael. And now we're saying, that's what the Basayin, that's what we learned from the Basayin. You cannot have Kedusha if it's not coming through the tsinor, the pipe of Eretz Israel. There's no Kedusha that exists in this world that doesn't come from Eretz Israel. Just like the six days of the week receive all of their holiness from Shavas, so, so too the Basayin says, all the Kedusha that exists in this world comes through Eretz Yisrael. The Kedushas Eretz Yisrael is not the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. it's that holiness is in the soil, the atmosphere of Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, says Rav Cook, when a person experiences some moments of holiness, wherever they are in this world, in Uganda or New York or Texas, it doesn't make a difference where they are. When you experience that holiness, that holiness draws us back to the holiness of Eretz Yisrael. Okay? Now, how many of us really feel American, right? All of us here were, were, were raised in America. How many of us feel the national pride of being an American? You don't have to answer that question. There's certainly something magnificent about sitting in a stadium with you know, 70,000 people while they sing the national anthem. There's something powerful and emotionally moving about that. Uh, certainly, you know, I remember 9-11, the, the very intense feeling of, of they attacked us, America, for sure. There's no doubt that there are elements of, of national pride that many of us feel. But says of Cook: a sign of how internally connected we are with the holiness of Eretz Yisrael is the degree we feel the impurity of all the impure lands. In other words, you, do you wanna know how much do you, are you internally connected to Eretz Yisrael? You're only internally connected to Eretz Yisrael with the degree to which you can experience the impurity of all the impure lands. This interconnection draws Hashem's kindness to us permanently, even when we are far away and even in exile. That means if I go out into the middle of nature, and I can see the Swiss Alps, and I can go to the Grand Canyon, or I could sit in my backyard, or I can go to a creek, and I can experience the beauty of Hashem's world that he created, all that's nice, sure. When I can can sing the national anthem on top of my lungs and feel American, but if somewhere inside of me, it doesn't feel Eretz Yisrael Dick, then that means, says Rav Cook, you're connected to Eretz Yisrael. If somewhere when you're sitting under a tree in the middle of a forest on some kind of little nature hike and you're experiencing the deepest kind of connection because you're connecting to the most natural aspect of life, which is nature itself, and you feel, yes, but this tree is not a tree of Eretz Yisrael. you feel there's something lacking, you feel there's something maybe even impure about it, it doesn't have the same reverberations, it's somehow somewhere not ticking on the same frequency as my heart. Says so Rav Cook, that's how you know that you're connected to Eretz Yisrael. And that interconnection, that feeling of, yeah, but it's not Eretz Yisrael. Yes, the tree is beautiful. The sunset is beautiful. The, the bubbling creek is beautiful, but it's not Eretz Yisrael. This interconnection, he says, draws Hashem's chesed to us permanently, even when we are far away and even when we're in exile. Al narez bavel, we say, sham yashavnu gam on the on the on the embankments of bavel to sit and to cry and to remember. This is not Eretz Yisrael. That feeling itself draws Hashem's Chesed out. The foreignness we feel, the sense of Nachrius, the foreignness we feel outside Eretz Yisrael, connects us to the inner holy desire for Eretz Yisrael and her holiness. Again, the foreignness we feel outside of Eretz Yisrael, the sense. That something's not right. That I am not a part of. Somewhere, somehow, I'm a foreigner. The, the, these words are written all over, all over Tanakh, right? We are, we are called Geirim. We are foreign in a foreigner's land. The foreignness we feel outside Eretz Israel connects us to the inner holy desire for Eretz Israel and her holiness. The yearning to see her grows. And the image of the holiness that's in, engraved in Eretz Yisrael becomes more and more internalized. The place, as he quotes in the pasuk, which Hashem's eyes are always on her from the beginning of the year until the end of the year. The pasuk, the pasuk and Chumash and Sefer Devarim. Ah, the farness we feel outside Eretz Yisrael and connects us to the inner holy desire for Eretz Yisrael and her holiness the yearning to see her grows, and the image of the holiness engraved in Eretz Yisrael becomes more and more internalized. And the depth of yearning for the love of Zion, right, so there's Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael is the place, Zion is the place of Eretz Yisrael when Kalal Yisrael is there with the Beis HaMikdash, that's the Bechina of Zion, it's when everything is working symmetrically when there's symmetry between Klael Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael and through the Yidden and with the Yidden, then it's called Sion. And the depth of holy yearning for the love of Zion, of remembering the land of which all desirable things are connected to, when this yearning grows inside the soul of even an individual, these are the key words, when this yearning for Eretz Yisrael grows inside each and every one of us, when it grows inside the soul of even an individual, It draws from a spring of water for the entire nation. You think that when you sit and read these words, you think when you sit under a tree and you say, but this is not Eretz Yisrael, and you have that little pang of foreignness, of this is not me, I'm not here. That little pang, you feel like, oh, that's just between me and me. Oh, you know, just be happy where I am. It's fine. You know, Hashem put me here. I'm supposed to be here. My family is here. My life is here. It's okay. Okay. Don't says Rav Kook, allow that yearning and allow that hunger and allow that sadness to sit in you, because that feeling, that suspense, in and of itself, opens up. Rav Kook, the words of Rav Kook, it it opens up the spring of water for the entire nation for the thousands of souls that are connected to each and every one of us. To yearn for Eretz means that my yearning spreads out to all of you, to all of us, to all of Kal Yisrael, And like pixie dust affects everything. And the sound of the shofar of all the rejected and neglected Jews reverberates and tremendous mercy from Hashem surges stronger. And the hope of life for the Jewish nation sparkles and the sprouting of godliness blossoms. And the light of salvation and redemption explodes and spreads like the sun rising over the mountaintops. I mean, the poetry itself is, is, just, is just utterly magnificent. But again, it's important if each and every one of us in whatever way that we've experienced a sense of otherness or a sense of foreignness in our own skin, and we sense that we, we're yearning for something, we want something, Maybe we want Eretz Yisrael. Maybe that's what what everything, all those urges and all those impulses, all of those areas and those times where it feels like life isn't working 100% well for me. And I feel like if I can only have that thing, if I can only be that person, if I can only just that little space between where I am and where that idealism lies, and I say to myself, okay, you know what, but I should be happy. Yes, it's true. We should be happy. But don't knock the yearning. Don't knock that feeling of foreignness. There's something very holy in it. And if I can find somewhere, somehow, in that yearning, that that yearning is really for Eretz Yisrael, if I can trace that yearning back to my neshama and see that my neshama is yearning and craving to be in that, in that place of Eretz Yisrael, I open up a spring of fresh water for every one of Kal And I draw down the chesed of Hashem in that moment, even if I don't feel it. I draw down such unbelievable love from Hashem that Hashem turns around and says to me, sitting in New York, I usually go up to the Catskills, and a few days from now, I'll be sitting out by a creek under a tree, getting bitten by by mosquitoes, but feeling like I'm totally in heaven. And that little space where it's clear to me, but this is not Eretz Yisrael, and I'd rather sit in a, in a, in, in a cold, dark basement in Eretz Yisrael than to sit over there, because in that place, I am home. In that place, I am in my place. My place inside and my place outside are aligned. In that way that I can experience that, then I open up a tremendous amount of chesed. It's important to be hungry Eretz Yisrael, says Rav It's important to yearn Eretz Yisrael. Okay, I wanted to follow that up with one more thought, just a second. No, sorry. Okay, we're gonna go to source number two. Sorry about that. We're gonna go to source number two. And this is really the, uh, the, uh, the culmination of everything. It's to put everything back together. Everything we've talked about in these last three weeks, to put it all back together. We want to know, what is it? What is the secret of the kedusha of Eretz Yisrael? What is the magnificence of it? What is the purpose of it? Bottom line, big picture, what's it all about? So says Rav Cook in Shmona Kvatzim and his journals. This comes from the seventh journal, number sixty-two. What would we do without these words? Oh, I wonder if Cook, wonder if Cook came into this world, and he and he yearned. I think he just he just opened it all up for us. Like whatever two thousand years of exile did of, of Jews not being in Eretz Yisrael. One moment of Rav Kook in Eretz Yisrael, just like, it just opened everything up. It allowed everything to be completely open for all of us. So listen to these words from Rav Kook. Now, again, these are my translations, and they're they're pretty specific. If you want to take me to task a little bit about the Hebrew, we can, but I I chose to translate these words this way. So um, forgive me for my disclaimer. When the world of fragmentation, says Rav Kook, when the world of fragmentation, of Pirud, Pirud means separateness, fragmentation. You know, there are four dimensions to Torah. There's four basic dimensions to learning Torah. There's Pshat, remez, Drush, and Said. Pshat is just knowing the basic, the basic shallow surface level understanding. Remes is the world of symbolism, of, of learning to use your symbolic imagination. Drush is the intellect's ability to challenge things, think things over. And Soid is the world of, of the inner reality of what's going on behind the scenes. So they say that if you take the Soid, that means if you try to disconnect the inner world from everything else, Then you're left with the letters perish dalad, which in Yiddish mean ferd, it's a horse, but it also means the the word pirud, of separation. Because without the side, without the inner world, without knowing that everything comes from the soul, without knowing that everything about me can trace its roots back to the soul, that there's nothing that happens in me that's not originating from my neshama, hakadeisha, the chelaka mal mamish, the godly peace that's in me if I don't believe that every aspect of who I am comes from my neshama, then I'm living in the world of fragmentation, of chaos, of brokenness, of separateness, of things being fractured inside of me. So Cesar of Cook, and of course, the things that exist inside of me are also a symbol for the things that that exist between us. Okay, so Cesar of Cook, when the world of fragmentation is expressed and overpowers the transcendent expression of the world of integration, when the world of Pirud is expressed and overpowers the expression of what Rav Kook calls the world of harmony, but really integration, where things are integrated fully, When the world of fragmentation is expressed and overpowers the transcendent expression of the world of integration, then the material overrules the spiritual. Then our physical lusts enter and reside in the forefront of our consciousness, our urges, our impulses. That's when the world of fragmentation is expressed and overpowers the world of integration. Materiality overrules spirituality, our physical lusts enter and reside in the forefront of our consciousness, and obscurity fills, fills the world. Things become obscure, confused, lost. On the other hand, when the world of integration overpowers, when the world, when the Olam, the Olam ham Uchad, it, it's not the world of unity so much as unity means. a a sense of being together. Integration is a verb. To integrate is a verb. To unify is a verb. But unify doesn't necessarily mean integrate. That's why I, I chose the word integrate. To unify means to bring things next to each other to get along. To integrate means to assimilate, to bleed through the boundaries of things and allow things to coalesce and come together and converge to become one. On the other hand, when the world of integration overpowers, then our passion for spirituality and even all our small, tiny, subtle aspirations surge forth. When I am living in the world of integration, then I have a passion for spirituality and my aspirations grow. The tiny, even the smallest aspirations and the entire world journeys forth in the direction of art. Everything in life becomes magnetized and alchemized in the direction of R, in the direction of the light of Hashem. So think about this. We said this in our first, in our first uh, part of this series. I might think that the soul resides inside the body. What does it mean that the soul resides inside the body? It means that there's, the soul is in heaven. My body is on earth. And the distance between heaven and earth is the distance between my soul and my consciousness. It's a distance of a bazillion light years. My soul is hidden inside. My, my goof is filled with all kinds of impulses and urges. And my soul is essentially asleep. But if you want to know where the real makom, the real place of things The real place of things is that my guf resides inside my neshama. When the world of integration is present, then the guf is inside the neshama. The neshama is not just leading things. The neshama is integrating things. Everything becomes integrated. Then I'm aware that all of those impulses and urges are just messages. They're tiny little messages of prophetic nature that are there to help me become. That's when my neshama contains my goof, but when my goof contains my neshama, everything's fragmented. Okay, we're good. All right. So now let's see what he writes. <laughs> the atmosphere of Eretz Yisrael is itself what enlightens. He's, he's ripping off a, a pasuk. He's ripping off a, 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 a chazal. He doesn't just say that the the, the that the world, that the atmosphere of the era of Eretz Yisrael is what gives, uh, allows us to be smarter, but no, the atmosphere of Eretz Yisrael itself enlightens. The atmosphere of Eretz Yisrael is what gives the soul the energy to comprehend the secrets of the world of integration. In Eretz Yisrael, we imbibe, we imbibe ourselves on the aura of the wisdom of the Jewish people, from the essence of the spiritual life that is uniquely designated for the Jewish people. In Eretz Yisrael, we are yonik. We are yonik. We suckle. We we drink. We beg for. We ask for. We are not afraid to turn to Hashem and say, give me more ur, give me more of you, give me more spirituality. We have no Fear. There's nothing that holds us back in Eretz Yisrael to completely get drunk on the ur of the the wisdom of the Jewish people. To imbibe ourselves on the essence of the spiritual life that is uniquely designated for the Jewish people, from the outlook of and from the essence of Jewish life. What says Rav Cook is the essence of Jewish life. What does it mean the Chios, the chayim of a Jewish person? What is the uniquely designated wisdom and essence of the Jewish people. What is that which separates Judaism as a religion from Judaism as an essential being that was created in this world, says Rav Kook? What is that? What is that which is uniquely Jewish, says Rav Cook. In the foundation of the essence of Jewish life lies the overpowering of the world of integration over the world of fragmentation. If you want to know what makes the what is the uniquely Jewish essence, the uniquely Jewish essence is the capacity to integrate it all. Is to say that at the end of the day, no matter what happens, no matter what I've been through, no matter what I've done, no matter what, what anyone else has done, it comes from a neshama hakadoshah, ha haahuva the the chelak alakami mal mamish that is hidden, the gem that's hidden inside of each and every one of us. That's the power of the Jewish people. And that Rav Kook says, this is the essence of the nullification of idol worship and all the yearning it causes and all the other aspects associated with idol worship. What, where, where do we have in our history of being raised, at least for me and my kids, and I think most of us that have been raised in, in, in basic yeshivas, we are introduced to idol worship with the story of Avram, right? The Medrash tells us Avram was a little kid and he picked up an ax and he put it into the hand of the biggest getchka, right? And he smashed all the other idols and then he gave the ax back to the biggest getchka and his father came back and said, what'd you do? Right, he had a getchka store. That's, that's what I used to say, a getchka store. What did he do? So he says, oh yeah, well, this idol beat up all the other idols. You know what unbelievable amkus there is to that story? You know what he's saying? Here's what he's saying. You want to know what Avai the Zara is? Avai the Zara is when I think that there's one aspect of my life that is not compatible with another aspect of my life. When I think that there are contradictions in this world that are unresolvable. When I think that the God of rain is at war with the God of the sun when I think that there are elements in nature that are inherently contradicting my existence, all of that is a beginning of, of idol worship, of avoid the Zara, of serving foreignness, of thinking, even the word avoid the Zara, right? The word Zara means foreign, this, the, to worship foreignness, to worship a sense that there's such a thing as an other to me. In the world of integration, there is no such thing. It's this, and it's this, and it's this, and it's this. I'm a tzaddik, and I'm a benani, and I'm a Russia, and I'm a Russia Marusha, and I'm the tzaddik. I am everything. It is all contained in me, and I don't have to be afraid of anything about myself because it all comes in the same place. And I don't need, I can be different than you, and I cannot like you, and I cannot get along with you, and I can have no interest in you, but you're not my, you're not my enemy we were watching we were watching the all-star game last night and um, somebody piped up and said oh yeah you know these two teams are enemies right these two teams are are usually against each other so my my nephew who was here piped up and said they're not enemies they're opponents and it was like a it was like a tiny little like light bulb that exploded in my brain what like wisdom what wisdom in such in what in such a sentence you know like in, in the major leagues they they're playing It's the highest level of of baseball in the world, right? These guys are getting paid sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. They want to beat the daylights out of the other team. You assume that they're enemies, mamish enemies. And it's like, no, they're not enemies. They're on different sides. They're opponents, but they're not enemies. The capacity to, to know and see that distinction to receive somebody that's other than me and to be in that space where I and the other can coexist and it doesn't have to mean contradiction and it doesn't have to mean war, that, Rav Cook says, that Indian of integration, where I can integrate my life with your life, even though we are different from each other, even though we might not have anything to do with each other, we might not like each other, we might not want to be together, but we don't have to cancel each other out. That Indian of not needing to cancel each other out, says Rav Kook is the unique jewish contribution to the world that is the uniqueness of the jewish people that is that world of integration is the unique mida that Kal Yisrael brings down into this world you want to know what is uniquely jewish this is it what is it what is it about the soul of a jew what is the khidish of being a jew in this world it's that i recognize that there is no essence to ra there's no root that is that is opposed to Hashem. Yes, the the gods with the lower capital G, they can war with each other as much as they want. But there's a God with a capital G, and that's what Avram discovered. That's what Avram's sense was. There's no such thing. You cannot tell me that there's a God of rain, and also a God of snow, and also a God of fire, and also a God of oil. There's no God of this part of my hair and that part of my hair. There is no God of... The, the, the conflict on one side of my consciousness and the conflict, conflict on the other side of my consciousness. It all comes from one big Hashem. And it's my job to figure out how they can be integrated together with each other. That sense of integration, that sense of the capacity to become, to grow, to use and listen to all the prophetic messages of all the things that happen inside of me, that is what is uniquely Jewish. Let's continue. It is not possible, yeah, Rav Kook says. So, so again, uh, no, let, let's keep going. Uh, it is not possible for the outlook of the world of integration. It is not possible to have the true Olam HaMeuchad. It is not possible to have the world of unity, of unification, of, har- of harmony. It is not possible for the Hashkafa of the world of integration to actualize in the lands of the other nations In the lands of impurity. Integration is Kaddosh V'tahar. Integration is recognizing the kedusha that's hidden inside of Tumah. Of the Ur that's hidden inside the Choshech. In the opposites. It's, right? So in the land of impurity, instead, in all the other lands, the world of fragmentation rules. So you can't have the world of integration in Chutz La'aretz. Because... All of Chutzlaretz is the world of fragmentation, because their lands, Chutzlaretz, their lands are founded on force, with distinct and fractured attitudes, divided and alienated from each other. Now, if you look around at the politics of what's going on in Eretz Yisrael today, it's very clear we're not there, right? The fragmentation and the argu- the arguments, and all that stuff. But the kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. The whole idea of having such a thing, of the world of integration where things can be integrated in my psyche, and that we can get along, right? That's why the whole base of Mikdash was destroyed for Sinas Chinam. What's the Pshat of Sinas Chinam? Sin Chinam means hatred. Hatred means you and I are fragmented. We are. We we could we could be different. We could be distinct. We can have different character characteristics. We can be on different sides of the opinion aisle. That's fine. But sinas means that you and I are fragmented from each other. That's a vaydezara. That I can stand up and say that you are so different than me that I can't be with you. That I call you a guy or I call you a Fromak, or I call, whatever it is that I can disparage you. That I cannot. That I can hate you. That in and of itself is the essence of Khorban. That means you're 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 attempting to destroy Eretz Yisrael because Eretz Yisrael is the place where everything is integrated, where everything comes together, where everything can unite. It is not possible for the hashkafa, the outlook of the world of integration to actualize in the lands of the other nations, in the lands of impurity. Instead, in all the other lands, the world of fragmentation rules, their lands are founded on force with distinct and fractured attitudes divided and alienated from each other. And all the attempts to breathe the air of Israel and to understand the secret of the world of integration is disrupted by the atmosphere in the lands of all the nations. And therefore, all the lands of impurity outside of Eretz Yisrael reek of idol worship. Because idol worship begins in fragmentation, idol worship begins in a sense of two things can't work together. That's that's the beginning of idol worship. If my image of God is that only this part of me is godly, but that part of me is not godly, that's a bechina of avaydazara. I am godly when I am in shul. I am godly when I am tzeis. I am godly when I am shemashavas. Then I'm godly. But when I'm not Sharmashavas, I'm not godly. That's fractured. That's fragmented. That's not Kedusha's Eretz Yisrael. Because in Eretz Yisrael, this is what Rav Cook got so much in trouble for. The whole Bechina of a Jew is, I'm a shomer Shabbos and I'm a Michal Shabbos. I'm, a, I'm a, a Bar Mitzvah and I'm also a balavera I'm a Tzaddik and I'm also a Rasha. But it all comes in the same place. I have to learn how to relate to myself that in those crevices of my minds where two things can never coexist, I have to learn that those two things are also both a part of me. And I have to learn to become at peace with those things. And I have to learn to get those parts of me to talk to, to talk to themselves. The parts of me that don't feel good when I eat a bowl of cereal at two o'clock in the morning, and the parts of me that want to wake up and eat a bowl of cereal at two o'clock in the morning, those two parts have to have a conversation with each other. It's not just that there are no bad parts. There are only holy parts. It's just that things get perverted. It's just that things get perverted. And our job, if we want to be prophets, if we want to be modern-day Nevi'im, which Rav Kook says Nevi'im starts in Eretz Yisrael, if we want to tune into the Bechina of Eretz Yisrael, then I have to be able to look at myself through the lens of Eretz Yisrael, which is to say everything can be integrated. Everything can somehow find a way to coexist with everything else in my life, and I can find a way to coexist with everyone around me doesn't mean I have to love everyone. It doesn't mean I have to be connected to everyone. doesn't mean I have to like everyone. I don't have to have a bleeding heart without boundaries. No, but what it does mean is that in those places where I don't like, in those places where I feel disconnected, I have to recognize that in the primience of it, we're one. The only way, the last few words from this piece, the only way to be saved from the dangers of idol worship is by the Jewish nation entering Eretz Yisrael. And he quotes again from a part of a Pasuk, To give to them the land of Canaan to be for them with God. In other words, to give Eretz Yisrael to Kal Yisrael so that they can be with Hashem. Because when Kal Yisrael is together with Hashem in, the, in this way of Eretz Yisrael, in this way of the world of integration, when Kalal Yisrael is able to experience shalom Benahem, peace amongst ourselves, when we are able to love ourselves and love each other with this kind of open, expanded heart and the attempt to integrate everything within me together, that's the way I'm saved from idol worship. And that's the way I can be with Hashem. And that's what it means to be an Eretz Yisrael. And here's it, this is it. This is it, guys. The, land of da- the lands of darkness are appropriate places for the squabbling the squabbling of details. Sorry. The lands of darkness are appropriate places for the squabbling of details that comes through with fragmentation. But the wisdom of Ur is only in the land of Ur. There is no Torah like the Torah of Eretz Yisrael, the Medrash teaches us. For those that have ever attempted to learn Gemara, everything in the Gemara is, Amar this one, Amar that one. How could you say this? It says that. You can't say this, because you have to say that. That's the Torah of Bavel. Bavel, Talmud Bavli, Bavel comes from Bilbal, from confusion. Bavel is is found where? By the Dara Flaga. Bilbal, confusion, fragmentation. the Torah of getting intellectually stimulated to try to work it out, that's the Torah of Chutz La'aretz. That's the Torah of fragmentation. And, and we need that. It's not that we don't need that. But we also need, more importantly, we need to have the Torah of Eretz Yisrael, which means we have to have a Torah that leads us to Ur. We have to be able to sit and yearn for a light of integration. an that comes that shines down brightly on us that allows us to become more and more of who we are, to be more alive. You know, here's something else that I'll share with you that I wrote, I wrote, I wrote this week that also just feels like something that needs to be said. Rumi, I just saw, I saw this recently. Rumi says something like, um, Find the field that is beyond right doing and wrongdoing, and there we will meet. So here's, here's what I wrote. The words derek eretz kadmalatira. So his I was thinking about those words. Derech Eretz, I think it's a major says derek eretz means the Derech of Eretz Isral. Derech Eretz Kadmalatira. Right? You have to have Derek Eretz before Tira. So here's something that I wrote. Aliveness is measured by curiosity, excitement, wonder, desire, fullness, and meaning. It does not pay much attention to the black and whiteness of good and evil. Listen, guys, the blackness of good and evil, the black and whiteness of good and evil is the olam hapirud, there's good and there's evil, there's bad and there's good. That black and whiteness, which of course we need, there's, there's absolutely, we have, we, we, we have a halakha, there's a structure, but aliveness doesn't care about good and evil. It's not the point when you talk about being alive. Aliveness does not pay much attention to the black and whiteness of good and evil. The measures of good and evil are only meant to add contour to aliveness, not to destroy it. If the oylem hapirud, if the oylem of chutz la'aretz, of fragmentation, of intellectual stimulation to try to understand how things you know don't fit together and you try to put them in boxes and compartmentalize them and analyze them and put things on the side and mess things up and and say I'm not like this I'm really like that and my identity is more like this I'm not like this and the conflicts and all that stuff that's the world of Bilbo which comes from the world of fragmentation if that destroys aliveness that's a zara. that's a that's not Derek Eretz's Kadmelatirim. Because the black and white of good and evil are only meant to add contour to aliveness. They're not meant to destroy it. Eretz Yisrael is flush with the aliveness of Hashem. Exile, Gaulus, is the disconnect and the loss of that enthusiasm of God's aliveness. Reclaiming our own soulful aliveness and enthusiasm are the steps, the steps we take. Towards rebuilding the base on Miktash. This is it, guys. This is the culmination of this whole discussion. This is the yearning. This is the grounding. This is the falafel and the shawarma. This is the late night kumzitsin on a back, you know, back alley in the middle of Tzvas. This is the 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 rain. This is the the uh, the cab drivers and the prickly sabras. This is what it's all about. What it boils down to is this, this one recognition, if you wanna know, so where is that chilek? I asked this the first, the, first, uh, the first discussion. How do you know when you're tasting Eretz Yisrael within yourself? Where is that makom in me called Eretz Yisrael? And the answer is, I, I believe, the answer is, is that whatever it takes, whatever that mida is that allows me to integrate myself with myself, whatever that place is that allows me to have a little bit more rachamim on me, that's able to see me as one whole, as opposed to a fragmented, jumble, messy, confused, and lost, obscure uh, uh, bag of skin and bones, whatever allows me to feel a little bit more whole, that's a little bit of the sign of Eretz Yisrael whatever allows me to start to interpret the messages that feel like they're evil and tune into some of that prophecy that is being sent to me in a little tiny whisper that's hidden underneath all my impulses and urges, that ability to listen to that and know and have a muna that that's coming from my neshama, that's a b'china v'eretz Yisrael. My ability to see someone that's different than me and keep boundaries and at the same time know but i am echad, believe echad, Ish echad, when I have that moment of saying, Yes, you're different than me. No, I don't like you. And yet, you're still a part of me. And I don't have to cancel you. That's the Indian of Eretz Yisrael. The whole cancel culture itself is Avoy Zara. That's what Avoy is, Mamish. That's sort of Cook saying to us. That's the world of fragmentation. I'm on this side of the aisle, and therefore I'm not on your aisle. These are the moments of Eretz Yisrael. Hashem should give us individually, the capacity and the energy and the clarity to find our own ways of listening to those messages within ourselves, of integrating more of ourselves, of becoming, of being more alive, being more enthusiastic in our lives, to be more fully expressed in who we are and never to be afraid of ourselves, never to be afraid of ourselves. Yes, we need therapists. Yes, we need friends. Yes, we need sometimes psychedelics. Whatever it is that we need, but at the end of the day, we need to get to a place within ourselves where we are not afraid of ourselves anymore. That we don't say lashon hara within ourselves about ourselves, and that we don't say lashon hara about each other. And Hashem should give us not just those things symbolically of Eretz Yisrael, but Hashem should give us Eretz Yisrael back and reinstate the Kal Yisrael, us, our people, in Eretz Yisrael with the Beis HaMikdash, the coming of Mashiach, so that the yearnings that have existed since the beginning of time, really, the yearning that began when Hashem kicked Adam and Chava out of Eden, and will return us back, that promise that He'll return us back not to Eden, but a, a Eden that has collapsed onto planet Earth, where Olam Haba and Oilam Haze and Mashiach and Gulas and Gula, where all of that stuff becomes totally and completely integrated in something that will be much, much more magnificent than other menchave had in Gne. We should be zaycha to have that mamish. And we should march this Tish into the Besamikdash HaMikdash with just love and just happiness, with no worries, with no Tsar. And with that, we should be zaycha mamish.